This is an RNZ podcast. Last weekend here on Media Watch, we took a look at how our infrastructure is taken for granted when it works, even if it's suboptimal and a bit underfunded. But after the recent Auckland floods and Cyclone Gabriel, it's become a hot topic in our media, especially the bits that didn't cope in an emergency. And one of those bits was our communications network, increasingly based on digital technology, which proved far from robust when Gabriel hit, as TVNZ's Fenner Owen reported on the Q&A show two weekends ago. No cellular connection means civil defence alerts can't get through, and neither can 111 calls. Computer scientist Dr Ulrich Speidel has concerns that emergency services have been scaling back their own radio networks. And they've started issuing emergency vehicles um, with uh, cell phones for communication. And of course now if the mobile phone network, which is not designed for resiliency, goes down, then we immediately end up in the situation that it also affects emergency services um, in, in a lot of area. But why exactly was it that those critical cell phone towers were insufficiently resilient? They rely on electricity to work. So if the power's cut, they have an inbuilt uh, contingency battery life of four to eight hours. And then after that, you're on your own. After that on Q&A, telco industry spokesperson Paul Brislin subsequently said that this was really a power supply problem and not a failure of the technology or the actual mobile phone towers, and power suppliers would have to up their emergency game too. But one format that did prove resilient was old-fashioned analogue radio, which kept on transmitting when other forms failed or ran out of battery power. And one reason for that was that they also run on diesel. And that's the reason News Talk ZB was asking on-air for fuel like this to stay on-air in Hawke's Bay during the crisis. And we need to get the generator going. To get the generator going, we need diesel. You can't get diesel. There's no power to pump it. So if you're on a farm or something like that and you've got diesel spare, um, then we're interested. Now, shortly after that, the quite literally powerless editor of Hawke's Bay Today newspaper, Chris Hyde, told MediaWatch this. As soon as I can, I am going out and buying a transistor radio, Colin. Um, yep, <laughs> I didn't have one at home. Oh, you know? Unfortunately. Um, I didn't. <laughs> well, after Cyclone Gabriel had done its worst, RNZ's head of news, Richard Sutherland, told me this here on MediaWatch two weekends ago. This will uh, sharpen the minds of, of people on just how important legacy platforms like AM transmission are in civil defence emergencies like the one that we've had. We are going to need to think very carefully about how we provide the belt and braces in terms of broadcasting infrastructure for this country as a result of this. And it seems that right now there is a fair bit to be thought through. Just last Wednesday, Morning Report listeners heard this on RNZ National. The AM radio network that's been a lifeline during Cyclone Gabrielle faces losing most of the government funding that keeps it running. But its operator, RNZ, says the AM network must be kept going somehow. On the 15th of February, when Cyclone Gabrielle was still blowing in the wind, Parliament's clerk of the House, David Wilson, told a parliamentary select committee that he might have to cut a costly contract to broadcast parliamentary proceedings on AM radio after 87 years on the air. And the next day, the New Zealand Herald's Thomas Coughlin reported that that meant radio silence could come as soon as the next financial year on July the 1st, unless additional funding could be found in the next budget in May. 
another broadcast about Parliament, also paid for by the Office of the Clerk and also aired by RNZ, is the weekly programme The House. And in last Sunday's edition, the Clerk David Wilson told presenter Phil Smith that his spending can't exceed the Office's annual appropriation. He said that costs have gone up, in part because of streaming select committees online as well now, and streaming online sessions of Parliament during the pandemic also cost him some money. So the AM radio contract, he said, might have to go now to make ends meet. The office's budget's around uh, $20 million a year. We have a few big-ticket items that we pay for. The uh, radio broadcaster's one, the television broadcaster's one, and then staff salaries the other. Those are sort of the, the three large sums of money we deal with. And, uh, yeah, I have to think about how we can fit within our, our appropriation, the amount of money that Parliament votes us every year. So there's going to have to be some reduction in there. The specific reduction was actually stopping radio broadcasts at Parliament. That's right, yeah. So that costs about $1.3 million a year. And that is uh, just a cost we can no longer carry. And so we really had to choose between one of those three things. The radio contract is coming up for renewal, so that to some degree puts sort of first in the firing line. But it's not something I willingly do, and I, I would you know, like to keep it going if we can find a way of doing that. But if they don't or can't find a way to cover the cost, what then? Well, this week RNZ's Phil Pennington asked RNZ's Chief Executive Paul Thompson about that. Does that place the AM network operation from RNZ in any jeopardy? Uh, it puts a huge question mark on its sustainability because the, the money that the clerk of the house pays for us to broadcast Parliament underpins the entire network. But we're going to have to come up with a solution and no final decisions have been made yet around funding. Um, but it is um, you know, an irony that at a time, in a week when we, New Zealand got probably one of its biggest ever lessons about the importance of AM, that we have this challenge around its viability. So we're going to have to find a way through. But it absolutely puts a lot of pressure on us as an organisation. We won't be able to pick up the cost. It's a $1.3 million contract. The parliamentary contract is a significant contributor to RNZ being able to maintain the AM network nationally. If that money's not available, closing the network is not going to be at all feasible. We're going to have to come up with another solution. So I think as soon as I know more, I'll be able to share it, but we're going to work work as hard as we can to get that solution. People at the sharp end who are in the nooks and crannies, what would you say to them? And they go, oh, heck, this might end. What can you say to them? This is such a, an, an important asset for New Zealand. It's a truly um, critical information lifeline. We're going to have to find a way of keeping it going. And remember, it's not just RNZ's AM that is broadcast on our infrastructure. A lot of other radio stations, commercial and community, iwi radio, use our infrastructure as well. So we're going to have to find a way through. That was RNZ's Chief Executive Paul Thompson with RNZ's Phil Pennington asking the questions earlier this week. And Morning Report listeners might have heard bits of that in Phil's report on the issue on Morning Report last Wednesday. And Phil Pennington's follow-up report on all this on RNZ's website this week had some feedback from listeners fearful about what they heard. For instance, one called Cam wrote in to say this. I live in Central Hawke's Bay. AM is the only strong signal. Do not stop broadcasting on that frequency. And Glenn in Gisborne got in touch with this. RNZFM was off air in Gisborne for two days during Gabriel, but RNZ on AM kept going. It absolutely must be kept. And there was plenty more like that. 
Now, one important thing to note here is that there are, in fact, two AM networks run by RNZ. One carries RNZ National, and the other carries Parliament when it's sitting, as well as Southern Star and its religious programming. Now, that network is broadcast from fewer transmission sites and on different frequencies across different parts of the country. RNZ's Phil Pennington discovered for himself how handy that AM transmission can be when he was dispatched from Wellington to Hawke's Bay when Cyclone Gabriel struck, and several times on the road he said he had to switch to AM when the FM transmission faded away. And this week Phil also reported that RNZ had shut down ageing transmission facilities in Northland last year, and that prompted the government then to urgently inject almost $1.5 million for upgrades. Now at that time, the Minister for Emergency Management, Kieran McAnulty, said that Northland's exposure to hazards and its limited cellular service made Northland especially reliant on AM radio. And he added that radio is a critical information channel to reach New Zealanders in an emergency. So with that in mind, Phil Pennington this week asked the Minister and his National Emergency Management Agency to comment on the future of the AM networks, though his request was referred to the Broadcasting Minister, Willie Jackson. Now, Willie Jackson is also the Minister of Māori Development, and he oversees funding and strategy for Māori broadcasting, including for Te Whakaruruho, the umbrella group of iwi radio broadcasters around the country. Now, after the government scrapped his plan for a new public media entity last month, the Prime Minister said Willie Jackson would have to go back to Cabinet with a new plan to address RNZ's future funding needs. So will AM Radio and its funding be part of the plan? Well, this week we wanted to ask the Broadcasting Minister that and what discussions about the funding of AM Radio transmission have taken place after Cyclone Gabriel and is the Minister concerned now that the budget constraints in the Office of the Clerk at Parliament could threaten the maintenance and operation of AM radio services from RNZ's AM transmission sites. Well, Willie Jackson was one of the ministers on the ground in the regions hit by Cyclone Gabriel lately and overseeing the government's emergency response, and he hasn't been made available for an interview. But his office supplied a statement citing that intervention in Northland last year and reiterating that AM transmission is a vital piece of infrastructure. And... Long-term work to develop funding approaches is also underway to ensure RNZ's AM transmission strategy continues. And the Minister is considering this as part of a package to strengthen public media and will be returning to Cabinet with proposals soon. And for its part, the National Emergency Management Agency told RNZ's Phil Pennington this week it would monitor any potential emergency management impacts of any changes to radio coverage. Now, Manatu Taunga, the Ministry for Culture and Heritage, also says it's working closely with NEMA and RNZ to ensure that radio services, including AM transmission, are always available for people in an emergency. So, it seems there is a will to find a way, but finding out who finds the way and when it will be found and how much it might cost, well, that has yet to be found out.